South Oaks Church. I am so glad you're here as we begin this four weeks uh, of Sundays looking uh, at spiritual renewal. And the theme is the power of prayer and fasting. Every year at South Oaks Church, uh, if you've been here for more than one year, you know that you've done this before. And uh, we take time to seek God for spiritual renewal at the head of every year. Spending 21 days to uh, fast and pray before God, it's a time set apart to ask Jesus to help lay down those things of self and then allow him to help us to pick up the things of the Lord God. This January, as, as there always is, there's going to be three special speakers uh, next week and the next two weeks. Uh, we'll have weekly Bible studies and prayer meetings. And if you really want to press in and seek God and really get everything he has for you, I encourage you to be part of that weekly Bible study and be a part of the weekly prayer times as well. They'll be on Zoom, so they'll be easy for everyone to attend. You won't have to worry about what if I can't get a ride? What if it's too cold? What if it's snowing? What if it's a blizzard? You know, it is January after all. You don't have to worry. You can join us on Zoom for all of those things coming up. The theme for this uh, series is Joel 2.12. And the reason we, we selected this one is because it speaks of being surrendered to the will of the Lord. Joel 2.12 says, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Coming before him, and we, we're going to look at uh, more of how that verse impacts us as we talk about God's word this morning. We want to see God unleash his power in us as never before. Uh, there's a fear in the world today, as you know, there's a fear that has kind of gripped people. There's fear of disease, fear of COVID, right? Fear of a failed economy, fear of losing jobs, fear of like shutdowns, fear of uh, quarantines, fear of uh, global warming, whatever you, I mean, you can think of a list that would go on for quite some time. Fear has really gripped people's hearts. This is a desperate time, and God is trying to speak to you and to me. Uh, we need to hear him and obey his call to us because there's people all around us who need that message. Christ followers in the church need to stand up and bring the message of the world that God has given us, that God is alive and that Jesus Christ is the way to be uh, finding salvation. There's no other way. And we need to help people understand it. The hope and the peace and the joy and the answers to problems and solutions to their needs and spiritual uh, desires is all in the Lord Jesus Christ. And how can they hear unless we tell them? So let's look at Nehemiah and get some principles of how we can approach these next 21 days. If you would turn in the Old Testament, it's kind of just right after 2 Chronicles. There's Ezra and then Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Uh, turn to Nehemiah chapter 1, and we'll read through the, the chapter. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. 
For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant, that the prayer that your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you redeem by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. Lord God, we just want to seek you today, right now, to, at the beginning of this 21 days. Lord, I pray you, we would become desperate for all you have for us. Lord God, that we would look at this scripture today, that we would want to know the things that you have for us, to really get all you have, to give to each one of us, to hear your voice through this next 21 days. We just commit the rest of this morning to you, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing we see in this passage as we look at it is that Nehemiah says he's in the citadel of Susa, which means it's kind of a, a walled-off city, and it's in the area which is now in Iran. And he's not in Jerusalem. He's a foreign government worker. He's been taken as part of the exile, and because he was uh, really an uh, intelligent man, uh, did a great job. He's been put in this wonderful position as a cupbearer to the king. He's part of the diaspora, and that's what they call the Jewish people who've been exiled all over in that area, and uh, the people who are, even today, if the Jewish people who've been sent to other places, they're called the diaspora. And they've been exiled by Babylon at this time, it's there in Susa that his brother comes with some other people from Judah, and his brother's name is Hanani, and he brings news of the homeland to him. And it's not good news. Many of the survivors of the exile have come back home, and they're in great trouble and disgrace, and the Hebrew words here mean distress and calamity and scorn. And so these people are there dealing with this heavy thing and the reason for that distress is that the walls of Jerusalem are broken down and the gates have been burned with fire. It's all rubble. There's nothing there. And think of how that would be. I mean, no protection from invaders, no protection from anything. They couldn't keep anything out. No way to keep out those bent on evil. It, for you and me, it would be like if we had no lock on our front door and just anybody could walk in. And this, in that passage, is a physical representation of a spiritual condition. 
the people who had come out of the exile had spent 70 years in exile uh, because they had fallen away from a relationship with God and they'd become sinful. They were worshiping false gods and captivity. The Lord allowed them to be taken into captivity as a way to wake them up spiritually, to bring them back to God. Many of the elder people had died. I mean, if you were over 70 years, if you were like 50 or older, you were probably gone. And so the group that was left didn't really know the things of the Lord. They knew about it, but they didn't really know it. The state of Jerusalem, broken down and in disgrace, matched the state of the people's spiritual condition, open to spiritual attack. For us today, we also need to make sure that we are not open to the attack of the enemy, that our relationship with God hasn't become bad, that it hasn't suffered because we're not paying attention to it. We don't want to be open to the attack of the devil. We don't want to find ourselves just like these people, being badly broken, defeated, and distressed. People who are open to the attack of the enemy. So I'd like to just ask you, when you think of that spiritual condition that those people were in, what are some examples you see generally today of problems around you? What are some of the spiritual problems people have? Dying, Dying yeah. Anything else? Hopelessness. Hopelessness. Depression. Depression. Addiction. Anger. Broken relationships. Broken relationships. Fear. Fear, depression. Yeah, I mean, the list could go on and on. There's a lot of things going on around us that show that people are really having trouble, and many of them do not have good relationships with God, if any. There is definitely a spiritual battle going on. When the devil is using these sometimes subtle ways and mostly, you know, subtle ways, but sometimes really obvious ways against us, right? He tries to kill, to steal, and destroy us. He deceives. He lies. He brings shame, and he dangles those temptations before us so that we would do things that kill and destroy our relationships with God and with other people. When we are not surrendered totally to God, it's like having those walls broken down and the gates burned with fire. Those spiritual gates of our eyes, our ears, our mouths, our bodies, are those open to anything? And are those defenseless against the devil? We don't want to live like that. So what can we do? to see the power of God rebuild our lives, to reconnect with the Lord in a more deep and uh, positive way in this next year. Well, the first thing we need to do is, it says that Nehemiah sat down and wept. We need to grieve over that situation. We need to not want it to continue. When we become aware of our broken, sinful state, we need to follow Nehemiah's example. Joel 2.17 says, Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep between the portico and the altar. 
this portico, another word for portico is porch. Between this porch and the altar, this porch and altar was a place of sacrifice, a place of repentance. God called the spiritual leaders of the nation to weep here as they ministered before the Lord because of the state of their nation. In the New Testament, we are called chosen people, a royal priesthood when we follow Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter 2.9, it says you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. So in other words, what we are are the priests for our nation. As we come before him each day and pray, we can come to that place of repentance and grieve over the state of not only our nation, but of our, ourselves as well. We want to minister to those that God calls us to. God is calling us to see that there is a sin problem. We must desire to see God's hand move at this time, to move us closer to him, and to see others be brought close to him as well. So we need to grieve over the situation. The second thing we want to do that Nehemiah did is identify with the sin of others in our prayers. Acknowledge the sinful condition of the nation. Nehemiah here in this chapter says he repents of the sin of we Israelites. He didn't say those other people are sinful. Look at how bad they are, God. No, he said we are sinful. We don't want to come like Pharisees and be pointing fingers. We want to say we are sinful. We want to draw the circle in the sand and stand in and say, Lord, convict me first. Draw me close to you. Show me the sin in my life first. And then, Lord, we Americans, Lord, convict us of where we've gone wrong. Daniel did the same thing in the prayers that he prayed for Israel as well. He said, we have sinned. This wasn't Nehemiah's sin, was it? No, it was the sin of the other people. But he includes himself in the prayer because true repentance starts with us. We have to come humbly before the Lord. And judging others in sin is not what God's uh, going to respond to in our prayers. He sees our hearts and we must come first totally surrendered, totally humble before him. And then what did Nehemiah do? Besides grieving over the situation, identifying with others and uh, the sins of others in prayer, he surrendered it all to Jesus. He surrendered it all to God. It began for Nehemiah, and it needs to begin with us, with a time of prayer and fasting. When we fast from food in some way and we're surrendered to God, Nehemiah fasted and prayed, and he quoted the promises. He read the word of God, quoted God's promises. He says in verse 8 and 9, he said, If you're unfaithful, I'll scatter you. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then I will gather you even from the furthest places and bring you back to the place I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. He's talking about Jerusalem there. And Nehemiah says, that they're the servants, that they're God's people. And he says, you, Lord God, have redeemed us by your great strength and your mighty hand. See, he's claiming the strength and the might of God over those people. And Nehemiah does this to plead on behalf of the nation and himself that they would return to God. 
Oh, Lord, he says, let your ear be attentive. To, this is verse 11. To the prayer of this, your servant, and of your servants who delight in revering your name. In other words, those who are in awe of you. And how do we get to this place? Is by reading the word of God, knowing who he is, seeing him work in our lives. As we surrender ourselves to him, we become aware of the awe that we need to have before God. And then he asked God for favor to go before the king. See, during this time of prayer and fasting, God gave Nehemiah a plan to go before the king to ask for permission for supplies and for people to help rebuild the city of Jerusalem. God gave him a plan for the breakthrough of that problem. We have journals for you in the back. On that back table you probably saw when you came in, several little journal books. There's one there for each of you. Take whatever one you want. And I encourage you, one of the writers of a book on prayer and fasting encourages people to write down in a journal, a special journal just for that time of prayer and fasting, what God is speaking to you. Each day if you write down or maybe it's several times a day, God is speaking to you, write that down because this is a special time of focus and emphasis on him as you sacrifice from food that you can hear his voice more clearly. Now, we're not saying all food, necessarily, but, you, but some food. Fasting has this spiritual goal to pursue what God has for us, for something powerful and supernatural. It's not just going on a diet, right? It's saying, God, I have this goal that I want all you have for me. I want to see your power in my life. It shows to God that we have a purpose for spending time with him for spending time with Jesus. And it's so important that we are willing to abstain from food. Steve and I begin our, our fast time uh, with a three days of a liquids-only diet. And then we move on to a Daniel fast, which means no meat and no sweets for us um, and, and no bread. And so for that next 21 days, we just eat, you know, like Daniel did, kind of in the Old Testament. And uh, for you, it might be that you just go without eating dessert for 21 days. That might be your, what you feel God's leading you to do. Or maybe it's no chicken. Or maybe it's some other food or beef, you know, or uh, it should be something, though, you normally would want to eat. It shouldn't be like liver, right? We, I would never eat liver. I know if you like liver and you eat it a lot, then give, maybe that's something to give up to. But whatever it is should be a sacrifice. This one food or this type of food that you are not eating should be a sacrifice so that by the end, even if, if it's one food item like chicken, let me tell you, after 21 days, you are going to crave that chicken. And that, what that happens is that physical craving for that food is going to draw you to the Lord God. And what you want to do is take the time and really seek him and seek a time of breakthrough and revival. In our world today, God's power in us is needed as never before. We don't want to be playing around with our faith and have it be just like everybody else. 
We want to be serious about our relationship with God. We want to declare through our lives that God is alive and powerful. We don't live in fear. We have hope. We have peace. We have joy as we seek him and we stand in awe of his strength and his might and his holiness. We show by our lives that God is still on the throne and we need to live like that. The question is, are we willing to surrender to Jesus Christ? Are you willing to, uh, to surrender in full obedience to him so that you can live in his presence and enjoy the blessings that he has for you? If we are willing to do that, God will provide breakthrough. God will provide revival. It will change your life. It will fill you with hope. The way to experience that all God has for us, the gateway to this, is prayer and fasting. Because desperate times call for desperate actions. As we come humbly before the Lord God. You know, there's that verse, Hebrews 4.16, that says that, Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And sometimes you can read that and you can think that means that I just walk right in, right up there, and I'm bold and do-do-do, here I am God. But that is not what that word boldly means. It means freedom. It means confidence. And it means to take it seriously. It means we come humbly, yes, and we can come before the Lord God. We have the opportunity to come before him. We don't have to go to a priest and ask the priest to go for us. We come boldly, freely, seriously before the Lord God. If there ever were a time that we need to come before the throne of God, it is now at this time to ask God for mercy and grace for all of us and to seek him for our breakthrough and for our revival. The power of God needs to be poured out in our lives. So a question for you, as you just think about it a moment, what are some areas that you would like to see breakthrough in these next 21 days? Oh, uh, against COVID. Okay. Any other areas? Spending more time in the Word. Yeah. How about relationships? You want to see some breakthrough in relationships? How, more time in prayer. Other breakthrough. How about some some friends, family, neighbors to come to know the Lord? Yeah. Whatever. Here's the thing. Direction. Direction. Yes, whatever you sense that God is putting on your heart, there is a spiritual goal that God has for all of us. The power of God is revealed through prayer and fasting. Great power cannot be stopped. It leads us to breakthrough and to revival. Without breakthrough and revival, we're going to lose this next generation for Christ. 
it's said that this generation is among the most lost in history. The Pew Research Center released the results of a study this last week. It showed that fewer Americans identify as religious, with the number of self-identifying Christians falling from 75% to 63% in 10 years. That just means that they said, yeah, I'm a Christian. Okay. In 2007, Pew found that U.S. Christians outnumbered religious nuns, people who say they're agnostic, atheistic, or nothing in particular, by about 5 to 1. That's in 2007. That number now is down to about 2 to 1. The research shows that people who are leaving Christianity aren't transitioning to another religion. They're going to nothing. No religion. No relationship with God. Another recent poll by the Trafalgar Group and the Convention of States Action showed that almost 77% of Americans say American society and culture are in a state of decay. The president of one of these groups says these horrific numbers go beyond politics to the heart of who we are as a nation and a people. This is 77% of the nation. This isn't a religious group that did this study. This is 77% of our nation thinks that we're in a state of decay in our country. Even a secular poll <clears throat> shows that our nation needs revival. We must call upon the name of the Lord our God for his power, for true spiritual revival, and be willing as part of that, as I said, to surrender ourselves first to him. In 2 Chronicles 20, verses 2 and 3, some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom and from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hazazon Tamar. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. So Jehoshaphat calls the nation to a fast and prayer. And he prays. It says in his prayer later in verse 12, it says, oh, Our God, will you not judge them? In other words, the enemy, will you not judge that enemy? For we have no power to face this vast army that's attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. King Jehoshaphat sought the Lord. He prayed and he fasted. <coughs> he didn't look at the situation around him. He didn't go out there and start scanning the horizon, seeing those troops and fretting. He fasted and prayed. He renounced the natural, and instead he said, Lord, God, we don't know what to do. We don't have power in ourselves to fight. Our eyes are on you, though, Lord God. And he asked for God's power and God's strength. The reason Jehoshaphat proclaimed that fast and prayer was so that the people would come before the Lord, that they would be close to God again, and that they would see his face. Whatever stands in our way, whatever is between us and God, things, relationships, traditions, even good things that are between us and God must go and take their rightful place. Our fasting will allow God to speak to us, about what we need to lay down at the foot of the cross and look to God. Coming humbly before God, coming in humility, 
in the presence of his power is what God asks of us. Fasting is the means by which we humble ourselves before him. If we are not desperate to see God move mightily in our lives, right now we need to confess that as sin and ask God to give us that desperation for him. We need to be willing to go without a meal or some food item each day for 21 days with the goal of seeking God and knowing him better. Ask God to pour out his Holy Spirit and his power on us and speak to us through his word and through dreams and visions. Ronnie Floyd in his book, The Power of Prayer and Fasting says, life is not about food on the table. It is being humble in the presence of God and being filled with the bread of life. What he's talking about there is when Jesus said in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We need to have that hunger and thirst for God in these next 21 days especially. Jesus is spiritual food for us, and during these 21 days we need to ask him to fill us with all the fullness of God. Ask him for breakthrough. Ask him to fill us with the Holy Spirit. You're probably thinking, how did it work out for Nehemiah if you haven't read the book lately? Nehemiah 2, verses 4 and 8. The, after this time of prayer and fasting and seeking God, verse 4 says, The king said to me, What is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, probably just, Help God. And I answered the king, if it pleased the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, how long will your journey take, and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so that he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. Nehemiah first grieved over the situation. He allowed God to give him the sorrow he needed to have to call him to a time of prayer and fasting. He identified with the people in his times of prayer. And he surrendered himself to the Lord. I ask you, in this time of prayer and fasting, Looking together to see the power of God in this month, I ask you if you are willing to make this commitment to grieve over the spiritual situation of ourselves and of our nation. To identify with the sins of others in prayer. And to come humbly before the Lord in this time of fasting. Please stand as we close.
ask you to just bow your heads. And during this January, if you are willing to seek God in this time of prayer and fasting, to grieve over the state of our nation, to pray for breakthrough and revival, to take this time and really surrender to the Lord. If you are, would you just please raise your hand? Thank you. Lord God, we thank you for the example of your word today of how desperate times call for desperate actions. And Lord, we see that our nation is in a desperate time and needs to return to you. And Father, we pray and include ourselves in these prayers that there is sin in our nation and we repent of it. Lord God, that we would take this time to really seek you to get your word for us for this year. Lord God, speak to us as we take this time, these 21 days. Speak to us in a powerful way. Lord God, we are looking for breakthroughs. Lord, we are looking for revival. Father, we want your will to be done, not only in our nation, but in us and in this church. Father, we pray as we surrender ourselves before you that you would give us words of wisdom, that you would show us dreams and visions. Lord God, that you would speak to us and we could write it down as an example of what you're wanting us to do this, this next 12 months. Father, we just lay it before you. We ask you, Lord God, to have your way in us. Give us uh, the ability to, to do that time of fasting. We're not saying it's easy, but Lord, it's a sacrifice that we want to make as we come before you. We thank you, Father. Lord, empower us all to really seek you during these 21 days. And we know the devil's going to try and be giving us uh, stuff to distract us. Father, we pray you would stop that. Lord, I pray you would put your angels of protection around us to keep us safe from what the enemy is trying to do. As we read your word each day, Lord, I pray you would speak in a powerful, mighty way. Lord God, we thank you for what you're wanting to do in us. We know it is your will to, to uh, have breakthroughs. We know it's your will to have revival. Lord, we receive everything you have for us. Fill us up with the Holy Spirit. Give us all the fullness of God in this time. Thank you, Lord God. As Nehemiah prayed, Lord, we are your servants and your people whom you redeem by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and the prayer of your servants here who delight in revering your name. Amen.